I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD. Here's Darren. Some shake and bake. Catch a three. So 187 of the podcast tonight, I am your host, I'm your host Rob Carbone and this is BD4 where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis brought to you by Anchor. Uh, Anchor is a podcast, a free podcast hosting platform where you can start your own podcast from your phone or your computer um, for free and not only that. They can pay you for reading an ad just like I'm doing. So uh, go and download the Anchor app or go and um, go log on to their website at anchor.fm and get started and join the podcast world. Fucking been in a quiet fucking, you know, last couple of fucking nights for the Knicks. But I think, you know, maybe um, something is on the horizon here. You know, what's that old saying? It's always quiet before the storm. It's been fucking quiet, and um, I mean, I'm hoping fucking something happens soon because the camp, uh, the training camps start up on December 1st. That's only a couple days from now. Preseason, not too long after that. I'd say about 10 days after that on the 11th, and then we get started in the end of, at the end of December. So it's all creeping up on us. Um We'll be here before we know it. But yeah, usually when it's quiet like this, something starts brewing. And I'm hoping, you know, all these random little signings and trades and deals that the Knicks have made so far this offseason, I'm hoping that's to set us up for something big, including Julius Randle, right? Hopefully you can attach some of these young assets and some of these picks that we continue to stockpile on. Hopefully you can attach... A few of them to Randall in a deal because that's the big thing that we wanted this offseason. But so tonight we're going to go over the offseason, kind of review some things and give my overall evaluation on it. And I think at the end here, won't be too long tonight, but the end we're going to give a little letter grade on how I think the Knicks have done so far this offseason. It's obviously not over yet. There are some little you know, little moves that can happen. And obviously, again, like I said, maybe there's something bigger on the horizon. But so far, we're going to give them an off-season evaluation grade with with the many things they have done so far this off-season. So that's going to be for tonight um, in 187. So if you haven't listened to 186 yet, go do that. That's a good episode as well. Um, episode 186, I had my buddy Leo from Say No More podcast on the show, and we discussed a whole lot. NFL, NBA, UFC, boxing, which by the way, uh, by the way, did anybody see that? On Saturday night, it was Tyson Jones. Much anticipated. You know, I spent the whole summer, as soon as I heard about that, thinking about it. It is Sunday night as I speak. As you are listening, it should be Monday morning. But Saturday night, it was the Tyson Jones fight. Uh, we've got the prelims first, you know, 
Then we get to the, the co. And um, in the co-main event, it was uh, <laughs> former Nick, Nate Robinson, versus, um, I guess, some YouTuber, Jake Paul. Um, you know, some, some popular YouTuber, Jake Paul. Um, uh, I guess it was just, I mean, this whole thing was a money grab to begin with. And I hate that shit, but I mean, uh, I hate, I, I, I don't take serious like non-professionals just you know getting an easy path into professional boxing because they have big names and they'll draw you know draw revenue i hate that shit but here it was it was nate robinson and he looked absolutely lost out there kind of felt bad for him at times with how ridiculous he looked um jake paul who you know people think he's he's pretty decent as a boxer that was his second box um boxing match but it was weird, uh, but 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 Robinson lasted what was it two rounds or three maybe before he he got KO'd. I mean he was knocked out cold. Paul hit him with a hook and, and fucking he went down. <laughs> oh, but then we got to the Tyson Jones fight and um, you know I don't know what people were expecting from this. I know Tyson and Jones were you know two guys in their prime better than everybody else. I get that, but. They both are in their mid fifties, I believe, and um, so so they're not Jesus, they're not God. They they are who they are. They're human beings, and as great as they were in their prime, once people get to age fifty, as great as you could, you know, as great as you were in the past, you're going to have some kind of regression, and they're obviously they obviously weren't the same, and obviously wasn't lights out like you would have envisioned a Tyson Jones fight back in the day, you know, like they used to have, but it was fucking, you know, it was two, it was Tyson and Jones at age 50. That's exactly what it was. That's what we got. So I wasn't extremely disappointed with, with the fight. You know, I thought there were some good moments. I thought there were some very sloppy moments. Um, Tyson showed us that he still has that quickness and um, there weren't any ridiculous lands or anything like that, any knockout type punches. It was a, not, a no knockout fight. The ring was smaller. There were only eight rounds, two minutes each. So there were a lot of rule, you know, uh, changes and stuff like that, little tweaks to the rule books. But fucking you, it was an exhibition. And in the end, despite what it looked like as Titan Tyson being the clear fucking winner, it ended up being a draw. And I think that right there, at least in my opinion, it seemed like it was a scripted, you know, result from the start. It seemed like that was going to be what they called if it was close enough to where it wouldn't have drew a big outrage. I feel like they were going to, they feel like they planned on calling that shit a draw. That's why they had a no knockout uh, rule. And it was just fucking odd, you know, definitely didn't seem like it was a draw and they called it a draw. So an odd night, I, I think, to say the least, if you could summarize that whole night in one, um, different. You know, it wasn't great. It wasn't absolutely terrible, which is funny because I said on Facebook, um, you know, kind of contradicted what I'm saying here, but I said heading into that fight, um, I said this could either go really, really good or really, really bad. You know, cliche alert. But it ended up being kind of in the middle, you know, despite what I said. I, I kind of didn't really have a true, legitimate, um, you know, love or hate 
opinion on the whole thing. I thought it was just, eh. Um, you know, <laughs> but um, that happened. So, <laughs> anywho, we're going to head to our first break on the show. And uh, I guess when we get back, we will dive right into things, you know, kind of just go over the offseason th- that the Knicks have had so far. And, you know, it's probably over if they don't make this one more move. But, man, am I hoping they make this move um, and trade for Randall, uh, trade Randall here sometime between now and the start of um, the regular season. So we're going to get into all this stuff in a second. But first, let's head to our first break. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that if you haven't followed me on social media yet or subscribe to the blog or this podcast, just go to my website to do all that stuff at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Alright, so... Fucking software is being so ridiculously slow, so I apologize for these long pauses of silence. But, um, yeah, as for the Nick offseason, it's, again, it, it's been a very weird offseason so far. See, this shit's right in the middle of the screen. I, I don't get it. Um, I mean, if I, if I could throw this shitty-ass tablet out the window, I could. If, if I could, I fucking would. But I don't know if it's that or if it's just a... Fucking editing software that I use, but it's it's horseshit. It's so slow. Um, anywho, yeah, it, it was a or it's been a very different off season. Um, you know, not exactly great, um, but not the worst in the world. It wasn't last year's off season, right? But it's not an off season that you look back at and be like, "Wow, what an amazing job by Rose Perry and company." Um, so we're going to get to the final grade at the end, but I want to start, you know, going into the off season, what were the five, I, I think if you can fucking put it into bullet points, right. And, and summarize it down to five needs. What were the five needs for the Knicks heading into the off season? Um, I, I think in whatever order you like, in whatever order you want, doesn't have to be, you know, in order, but five things you really wanted the Knicks to do. This offseason, I think, find a point guard, right? That was one thing we wanted looking into this offseason. Acquire some shooting to space out the floors a little bit more. Find your future head coach, you know, for years to come. Find just straight-up talent. Get talent on this team. And then acquire assets and picks. Okay, so I think those... um, and you could toss in trade Julius Randle a six, but I think those are the five things that most Knicks fans were looking at heading into the offseason. All right, so find a point guard, acquire shooting, find a head coach, find talent, and acquire some assets and picks. How have we done with all these five things? Well, let's go over. So we start with the draft, right? The Knicks have the number eight. They get that in the lottery. And then they have the, at the time, they have the 27 from LAC. But they do a bunch of trading, and they end up with eight and eventually 25. They select Obi Toppin. They select Emmanuel quickly. 
They eventually acquired three second-round picks after all that was said and done, and then they signed Miles Powell as an undraftee after the draft. Okay, so Obi Toppin, quickly, three picks, Miles Powell. So as for Toppin, it wasn't your point guard that everybody was looking at. It wasn't Tyrese Halliburton. It wasn't Kyra Lewis Jr. It wasn't LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards. Nobody at the point guard position. It was a power forward, but it was a talented power forward. One of the more talented players in the draft and perhaps the most talented players, the, uh, one of the, perhaps the most talented players the Knicks could have taken at number eight. You know, he can score. He can possibly shoot the ball. He's athletic. He's energetic. He brings some excitement to the garden again. Um, I don't know why Stephen A. Smith is on the screen here, but he is. <laughs> um, and, and so that's, uh, that was Obi Toppin, right? A solid pick, right? You, you like that pick. Not a point guard, but talented, can score the ball, hopefully shoot the ball, energy, bring some excitement, and an upgrade from Randall, right? You get quickly, pretty much straightforward. He's a guard, a point guard who can shoot the ball very effectively. Good. You like that. You get the three picks from the Ed Davis deal, continue to stockpile. That's always smart. And you sign Powell, who many people think could be a steal, you know, some scoring off the bench, provide you know, provide instant offense and be that bucket getter, a six man of the year type, maybe. If he is the steal. So that was the draft, right? A solid draft for the Knicks. Not the best, but a solid one. Free agency comes along, you lose a bunch of guys, you get a bunch of guys back. And you sign some new guys, right? Um, you lose Dotson and Trier, which really hurt me. You know, Dotson has been a very effective 3 and D wing for the Knicks since being drafted here. Alonzo Trier came on as an undrafty and showed the Knicks in his rookie season, at least, that he was a very good scorer and another guy who has six-man potential. The Knicks let him go. So that was very disappointing. You know, the Knicks aren't a talented team, and two guys who have some talent, right, you just let walk willy-nilly. You let him go freely without even a fight. Dotson provided some shooting off the bounce and off the catch. He's pretty quick, sneaky quick, to get to the rim. And a very strong wing defender, a very competitive defender. With Trier, again, a microwave, a microwave scorer, instant buckets, good mid-range shooter, gets to the free throw line, plays aggressively, a chip on his shoulder, a New York mentality. Sure, he lacked defense, but you know what? So does the rest of the roster. Um, and they weren't putting up buckets like Alonzo was. But the Knicks let Dotson and Trier go. That sucked. Really thought they should have at least brought back one of them. They didn't. Both of them are gone now. And they also said goodbye to guys like Ellington. Thank God. Good riddance. Gibson, thank God, good riddance, because I really thought he was going to stick around, being that Tom Thibodeau was here, um, is here. Mo Harkless went and signed with, I think, LAC. Uh, Theo Pinson, but he is now back on a two-way deal. Uh, Bobby Portis signed somewhere, I think, Dallas. And Kenny Wooten ends up getting waived and signs with the Houston Rockets. So, those were the guys the Knicks lost. Okay. Couple of them hurt. Some of them you wanted to see go, others whatever. 
clear some uh, cap space and open up some roster spots. And um, you open up those roster spots for guys like this. So guys you gained, you get Alec Burks, you get Nerland no uh, Nerland's Noel, you get fucking Austin Rivers, you get uh, you bring back Alfred Payton, you work a new deal with Payton, less expensive. You get Spellman Evans, um, who probably will be waived before the regular season, and you get Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, more recently, <laughs> to an exhibit ten. Um, so, so with the Burks deal, right? It's a very cheap deal, one year, six million dollars. Um, guy can score, he can shoot, he can slash, and um, maybe he'll be their starting shooting guard. You know, it's a decent deal. Somebody who averaged fifteen points per game last season, it's a decent deal. Given six million to a guy who, you know, put up what would have what would have been the second more uh, second leading points average for the Knicks last season. <laughs> okay, so fucking you'll take that Alec Burke deal. Alec Burke's deal at fucking six million. You will. Now we get to Nerland's Noel. One year five million. Another very, you know, cheap deal, a decent deal. You know, a solid, okay, decent deal. Can't hate or love it. Um Noel is a guy who is very athletic. He plays defense. He brings some youth and he's a really good backup to hopefully back up to Mitchell Robinson and not a starter. Um, that's a perfect backup five right there. I think that was a really strong signing. Okay. Um, Austin Rivers. You get three years paying him $10 million over three years, but only one of those years is a guarantee. So a two-year two option. Okay. And that's a decent deal for somebody who can, again, score the ball, shoot the ball, and, you know, kind of bring some six-man scoring. Another decent deal. So, Burks, Nobel, Rivers, decent, right? Then you go to Alfred Payton. <clears throat> when the Knicks originally waived him, very happy, right? Good riddance. But then a couple days later, we hear they're going to work out a new deal. He's coming back one year, five million. Yeah, it's cheap, but I, I don't like the deal. And I think anybody with a brain shouldn't love it either. Um, he can't shoot the ball. He can't score the ball to begin with. He's got incredible tunnel vision with, with like, which, you know, fucking I call Randall vision. Um, ignoring RJ all the time. You know, not improving our youth, right? Just out there to pad his stats and make the Knicks maybe, you know, two, three more, you know, two or three more wins. You know, give the Knicks two or three more wins fucking than it would be with anybody else out there. So pretty meaningless. And, and, you know, no better than the younger options out there. If you're, if you're giving us two or three more wins, I'd rather go with the younger options, you know, a rotation of Frank, DSJ, um, you know, quickly, Rivers, you know, fucking Peters, Harper, anybody, any one of those guys starting at point guard, which I guarantee Peyton will, but anybody, any one of those guys I, I would have rather had as opposed to signing Peyton and bringing him back because he just counterproducts what we're doing here. He's he's guaranteed to start, I'm telling you. It's just a poor signing. We had other options out there. Um, you know, guys that would have actually benefited the youth. You know, if we're not going to win no matter what next year, we're not winning games. So why not go with the guy that is part of our future, right? A guy that gets us somewhere and doesn't just neutralize this spot and, and only stall time. But... <laughs> 
Nix, right? Hashtag Nix. Um, Michael Kid Gilchrist, which was a signing they made the other night. Another Kentucky guy, another CAA client. <laughs> so I guess the Kentucky Knicks brought to you by CAA, right? Well, we got six guys from Kentucky, a bunch of other guys from CAA, some both. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, but Gilchrist was signed to a one-year contract being paid the minimum salary. The minimum salary, um, it's an Exhibit 10 contract, which I had to go and look that up because not going to lie to you guys, not going to be, they're not going to bullshit. I, I didn't know what that was. So I looked it up and pretty much what an exhibit 10 contract is, is you can convert an exhibit 10 into a two way contract. Um, as long as that occurs prior to the season. Um, it's also a non guaranteed contract. So it allows the team, if they don't want kid Gilchrist to waive him without any cap hit. Okay. So minimum cap hit, no cap it at all. So it literally is a no harm signing. Uh, but it's not like it's a rewarding signing. He, he sucks ass. Um, you know, he, he's a good defending forward. I'll give him that. Okay, I'll give Kid Gilchrist that. He can defend the four spot um, all the way down to the two spot. Um, but, you know, as for anything else, he doesn't do much. You know, he, he's kind of like a Frank Nilakina um, if Frank never reaches his ceiling. That's who Kid Gilchrist is. Um so that was the whole free agency thing, right? You know, it wasn't just that we missed out on, on the big names. I get that, right? I get missing out on Bertans and Gallinari. Although, you know, the Knicks have the money to fucking do it. But, okay, I'll play along. I'll play along. Whatever. It was the, you know, the fair cost guys. That still would have been an upgrade. And we're going to go back to point guard here. At the point guard position. Talking about Peyton again. You know, fucking DJ Augustine, uh, Jeff Teague, Malik Beasley, you know, guys like that who would have been huge. Augustine signed for $21 million across the next three years with Milwaukee. Okay, that's $7 million per season. That's the AAV. That's not bad. The Knicks could have done that. He's a pick-and-roll point guard. The Knicks got two pick-and-roll guys in the front court. He gives you, what, 12 and 5, which is a much better, you know, it looks the same as Peyton's number, but it's more productive. You know, it's an upgrade from him for sure because he can shoot the ball. He's just an upgrade from the current point guard rotation we have right now. Knows how to play. Been in the league a bit. Um, Beasley signed for 60 mil across four years. That's a 15 million AAV. Backup shooting guard. Double figure scoring. Shoots the ball well. Averaged 21 points in 14 games with Minnesota last season when he went over there. Um, Jeff Teague signs a one-year deal with Boston. You know, another, would have been another serviceable placeholder at the point guard position. You know, another upgrade from the current rotation we have. Peyton, etc. Double-figure scorer. Pick-and-roll guy. Gives you five-plus assists. And again, can shoot the basketball. So, um, you know, a lot of guys out there. And it didn't have to be point guards. I just thought there were some good players that we missed out. Uh, Jamichael Green, you know, could have been a backup power forward to Toppin. Rebounds the ball well. Signed for 15 mil across two years. That's seven and a half AAV with Denver. Could have been a really good backup to Toppin. Now we have to rely on Knox to back him up when Toppin's not on the floor. And Lord knows how that's going to go. There were guys we missed on, man. I'm not even, again, not even, it doesn't have to be Van Vliet. Although we have the money, let's be real. If we wanted to, we could have done that without any legitimate harm. 
But if I'm playing along, it didn't have to be a Van Vliet, Gallinari, Bertans, yada, yada. It could have been someone like Augustine, who was definitely an upgrade from Peyton. It could have been something. So I do think there were, there was a window there where the Knicks could have done something. You know, there was a little more they could have done in terms of a free agent market. Okay. So you look at it overall. You look back at the top of that list from the you know, um, starting at, what we said at the top of the show. It was fucking find a point guard. Right, acquire shooting, find a head coach, find talent, acquire assets and picks. Okay, so did we find our future point guard? Looking back, did we find our, our future point guard this offseason? So far. Um, no, right? No, we did not find our future point guard. Not in the draft, not in free agency, and so far, not via trade. So that was a giant fail there. Okay, and I, I think that holds a lot of weight because the Knicks... You know, as much as you can improve, you're not going to improve a ton without a point guard. You still need an engine at the lead guard position if you want to go anywhere in this league. So that holds a lot of weight. It's not just one out of five things they failed on. It's one out of five things that holds a lot of weight. It's a lot. So they failed to get their point guard, okay? I thought at worst they should have used in-house options, okay? If you, if you, if you didn't even want to pay an Augustine or a Teague, you know, the small deals that they're on. You could have at least fucking stayed away from Alfred Payton and went with the in-house options like normal fucking rebuilding teams do. But again, hashtag Knicks. So we did not find our point guard. Did we acquire shooting? Yes. We acquired shooting, right? We did lose Dotson. We did lose Trier. But they didn't get major minutes anyway. And we've got guys like Burks now who can shoot the three at an effective rate. Rivers who can shoot the three at an effective rate. Um, quickly, who can shoot the three. Powell, who I think can shoot the three at an effective rate. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And so we have more shooting. Marginally improved. I wouldn't say it's tremendously improved, but it's marginally improved, the shooting. So I think the floor spacing will be a bit better. And again, Toppin, if he can... Yeah, that's his swing skill right there. If he can translate that shooting from Dayton, um, you know and bring it to the NBA. That's another guy who can shoot. And especially if you move Randall, there you go. So I think the shooting will be improved to a degree. So yes, there you acquired shooting. Did you find your head coach? Yes. You found Tom Thibodeau. Is he the right fit? Well, that, that remains to be seen, right? You've got a win now guy coaching a win later team. That's my biggest concern here, but we'll see how it goes, right? So, so far, yes, you did find a head coach. You did find shooting. Did you find talent? Yeah, we found talent for sure. You know, you've got Toppin, okay? That was your big, big ad this offseason. Um, acquire assets and picks. I, I think that's the best thing they've done. That is the one thing Leon Rose has done so wonderfully since coming here is is acquiring assets, you know, tradable guys, and draft picks, right? So he's done a wonderful job there, stockpiling on draft capital and bringing in young guys who, you know, have somewhat of a ceiling and could help contending teams um, in need of that extra score or whatever. We have that. We have that Rivers trade bait. We have Noel trade bait. We have a lot of trade bait now, you know, role players. So I think he's done a good job collecting assets and picks. So if you're looking at all that, okay, all that being said, and if you're to give this Knicks front office, Scott Perry, Leon Rose, and whoever the fuck, Tom Thibodeau, if you're to give them all a grade, 
on what they've done this off season so far, up to this date, up to uh, November 29th, I think you've got to go somewhere in the C plus, maybe B minus range. Okay, so C plus slash B minus is where I would have them right now. Okay, now if they were to do something where they make a move for a point guard after all, and it's not named Russell Westbrook, and, and it gets Peyton out of that spot, that would improve their grade. If they were to find a way to trade Julius Randle to give Obi Toppin more freedom to grow, and RJ more room to work in the driving lanes, and the Knicks as a team less stagnant and and much more spaced out on the floor. You know, if they were found to find a way to fucking get rid of Randall and his contract and his inefficiency, that right there would skyrocket that C plus. It would definitely get them into the B B plus range. I'm not going to go into the A range because that's for, you know, elite deals. But, you know, I'll tell you what, a C plus at the moment, if they were to find a way to get Randall out of here, I don't even care if we got potato chips and, you know, a bag of peanut M&Ms in return. It, it, it's it's already a big, big deal to, to get that C plus up. So. That's pretty much that. I would give them a C plus, maybe a B minus um, overall this offseason. I don't love it, don't hate it. You know, I think it was okay. You know, I think it'll make them more competitive. Um, I think it was an offseason more about the future than it is right now. Um, but people are getting impatient. We we've got to start showing signs. And I know people like Kate Cunningham, but we can't keep talking about tanking every year. We've got to start showing some improvement or the Knicks are going to continue to be this joke on a loop, on a loop, on a loop. We've got to start winning more, okay? It's got to come. And I've said this before on the podcast, but you know, if the Knicks were to go from a 22-win team this past season to a 30-win team, and it's from the young guys... I would take not being in great lottery position if the young guys are getting us wins. But if we're not in great lottery position and it's the vets and the stop gaps and the temporary players getting us 30, 33 wins, whatever, that's where I have an issue. Okay. But if the young guys are going out there and they're playing collectively as a unit and they seem to be playing a proper brand of basketball and they're winning more games not enough to get into the playoffs, but enough to show that you've become more attractive. I don't mind not being in great lottery position because I know that means the guys that are going to be here in the future are improving. So that's what I'm hoping for this, this upcoming season. Okay, that's what I want. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We're going to head to break one last time. And when we get back from break, we're going to uh, do the NYY NYK question of the day to wrap things up. Be right back. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that if you haven't followed me on social media yet or subscribe to the blog or this podcast, just go to my website to do all that stuff at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect.
Alright, so in episode 186, I asked you guys, how many seasons did Jeremy Lin serve as a New York Nick? <clears throat> now, the answer to that question is pretty surprising. I don't remember it being one season, but it was. I thought he was here for like two or three. But he was only there for that one Lin Sanity season. Which Lin Sanity lasted about a couple of weeks, was all. But <laughs> if you don't know this, Lin Sanity was kind of what got me into the Knicks again. That's what got me into the Knicks. And it's kind of pathetic to, to admit and embarrassing, but as a kid, I grew up a Nets fan. My dad took me to, my father took me to Nets games a lot. We got tickets to the Nets. The New Jersey Nets. Obviously, it was the New Jersey Nets at the time. Um, I think they played at Izod, maybe. And, um, you know, it was Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, Vince Carter, uh, some guy named Kittles. Scalabrini was on the team. Um, that was the team I watched. Loved it growing up. But, I, after, you know, for a while, I left the game of basketball. Didn't really watch it anymore. But as soon as Linsanity fucking happened, I'll admit, I jumped on the bandwagon. I started watching the Knicks again. I was like, hey, this Jeremy Lindu is pretty fucking cool. Um, and then the hype died down for a bit. So I stopped watching. But I came back in 2012, 2013. And that was the year Carmelo Anthony just won off. That was his best season as a Nick. Brought the Knicks into the playoffs. 54 wins. He won the scoring title. The Knicks went all the way to, what was it, the third round or second round and lost to Indiana. The fucking Roy Hibbert made Roy Hibbert look like Shaq. Tyson Chandler was just pathetic. Mello hurt his shoulder. Wasn't getting the whistles. I was pissed off. But yeah, Jeremy Lin is what really started it. That started it. Lin Sanity. <laughs> so that's where that question came from. Uh, he was on my mind. Um, so tonight, Without wasting further time. For episode 187, uh, the question I've got for you is Gerald Wilkins wore number 21 for the Knicks from 1986 to 1982. I'm sorry, from 1986 to 1992. Okay, so Gerald Wilkins wore number 21 from 86 to 92. 86 to 92. Who wore number 21 after Wilkins? Okay, so who wore number 21 for the Knicks after Wilkins' stint from 86 to 92? Message me the answer, or you can comment on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter once I publish the podcast. So guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to BD4. I am your host, Rob Carbone. You can find BD4 on many platforms. So many podcast feeds. Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can watch us on YouTube. If you want to find all those feeds and the many platforms for the podcast, just go to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.com. Dot .wordpress.com Click on podcasts and that'll take you to my page that displays all the podcast feeds.
It'll take you to the latest episode and all that stuff. If you want to follow me on social media, be sure to do that too. You can find that info on my website, nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. Um, but, you know, I'll just tell you. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook at RJ Carbone. That is r.j.carbone. You can find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. At Rob J. Carbone. And you can find me at Twitter at NY Sports Talk RC. That is at NY Sports Talk RC. That's on Twitter. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I appreciate the support. Like us, follow us, subscribe to us, download the podcast, review it, rate it. Tell me I suck. Tell me I'm pathetic. I'm terrible. Tell me I'm wonderful. Tell me I'm great. Whatever you want to do, I don't mind it. But I do enjoy you guys tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. And um, that's all we've got for episode 187. 187 of the podcast. Tell you what, we're coming up on 200. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited, guys, for this next next squad to get going. Um you know, not that I think they're going to do anything special. Again, they're going to suck. Um, and who knows if they're even going to do the proper things to try and develop these young players. But I'm just excited to, to see this team again. I love watching. I love watching my favorite team. Suck or no suck. I love watching the team I, I you know, have stuck with for a while. <coughs> Excuse me. So preseason begins and, you know, about two weeks. Detroit for a couple games. Then we go back home and host, I believe, Cleveland for the next two. Um, but, you know, hopefully at some point in the season we can get some kind of crowd at MSG because Madison Square Garden is not the same without thousands of New Yorkers just going buck wild, right? So, guys, one last time, thank you for tuning in. This is Rob Carbone, your host, Rob Carbone of the podcast of BD4, sponsored by Anchor. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's all we've got. Have a nice night. Have a nice day. Whenever you're listening to this, thank you for listening, watching. God bless you. And I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.